What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week eight of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. And as they say, a tie is just like kissing your sister. It ain't no good for anybody. Everybody's going to have a down week every now and then. Everybody's going to have to take it on the chin sooner or later. And I guess that's what we did in week seven. And to be perfectly honest, if this is the worst week we have all season, I'll probably take it. Only went 7-7-1 seven, seven, straight up last week. Of course, we had the one tie in the Arizona-Seattle gong show that ended 6-6. Six, six. I mean, look, great defensive battle, but oh my god, what the hell was that overtime? So 7-7-1 seven, seven, straight up, 68 up, 38 down with the one tie on the season so far. I'm still incredibly happy with that straight up record. I think it's probably through seven weeks, probably the best straight up record that I think I've ever had. I'll have to go back and check that. Maybe I'll update you on that next week. But 68, 38, and 1. Against the spread, I only went 6 and 9. It's my second straight week of only having 6 correct against the spread picks. Now, luckily, that tie worked out for me against the spread because I took Seattle. I think it was plus 1 or plus 2. So that counted as a win rather than a push, but I still only went 6-9 and nine against the spread. 55 up, 49 down with three pushes on the season. Over under, damn near got it to 500 there. If I would have gotten the Monday nighter, then I would have hit 500. But in any case, only went 7-8 and eight over under last week. 58 up, 48 down, and 1 on the season. Taking a look at the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week seven, honestly, we didn't do great. I caught a piece of every single game, but really, overall, really did not do that well. Bronze pick, I told you to take Atlanta straight up to beat San Diego. Holy cow, Atlanta, that was a bad game. Hopefully that's your one-off, but you play Green Bay this week, so who knows. But Atlanta loses to San Diego 33-30 to after getting out to a pretty healthy lead in that game. So they dropped that one by a field goal. It wasn't against the spread loss because I told you to take Atlanta minus six and a half points. But over under, we did get it by telling you to go over 53 points. On the silver pick, I told you to take Denver to beat Houston. They did that very convincingly on Monday Night Football last night. Denver wins that game 27 to 9. It was also an against the spread win, as I told you to take Denver minus 7. Now, we did lose the over under. I told you to go over 41 points. They only score 36. I was really hoping for a garbage time touchdown there by Houston, but of course, this is why we can't have nice things. Didn't work out that way. Denver beats Houston straight up and against the spread win on the silver pick, but lost the over under. Gold pick, I told you to take Cincinnati to beat Cleveland. They did that in a convincing measure, 31-17. to Comfortable win there. It wasn't against the spread loss because I told you to take Cleveland plus 10 in that game. That did not work out. Again, I kind of thought there was the opportunity there for a backdoor cover. Didn't work out that way. Oh, uh, over under, I also told you to go under 45.5 points. That did not work out as they scored 48. So that was an over under loss on that one. Platinum pick. Told you to take Green Bay to beat Chicago. Very comfortable two possession win, 26 to 10 for the Packers. Straight up win. Against the spread, it was a loss. I told you to take Chicago plus nine because I didn't think the Green Bay offense. Still had the credibility to give them a spread of that large, but against Chicago, it did work out. They won by 16 points. 
Did get the over-under on that one, though, as well. Told you to stay under 46.5 points. They score exactly 36. So, 3-1 and one straight up on the Platinum, Gold, Silver, and Bronze picks. Only 1-3 and three against the spread. That's a rough week for sure. Went 2-2 two and two on the over-under. Taking a look at the Bridgewater's Finest Private Pick'em Pools for Season 5 of the show. Starting in the straight-up pool, as always, I still maintain first place in that pool despite struggling this week 579 out of 873 possible confidence points again that's 68 up 38 down with the one tie it's 66 percent as far as the confidence points go that is good enough to maintain the overall lead it is worth noting my lead has now been about cut in half going into last week i was leading this pool by about 20 confidence points that lead is now down to 10 exactly so that's just how quickly things can change that lead in one week boom cut in half in week seven i did pull in 71 out of 120 possible confidence points that's a clip of 59 percent typically not going to be good enough to get it done certainly was not in week seven shout out to our week seven winner baharlan first time i've called your name this season baharlan wins week seven 10 4 and 1 straight up did a very good job navigating the minefield that was week seven 94 out of 120 possible confidence points that is a clip of 78 percent and that is an excellent excellent week right there baharlan wins the week once again i remain the overall leader so shout out to baharlan for winning the week seven straight up pool and i guess to myself for maintaining the overall lead Moving over to the against the spread private pick em pool. Hey, remember two weeks ago when I was tied for first and in, or maybe even in first place outright and everything was like nice and rosy? Well, things have kind of changed. Uh, the last two weeks, again, I've struggled against the spread. I only have 12 correct against the spread picks over the past two weeks, which is not good enough. I've dropped all the way down to sixth out of 19 in that league. 55 correct against the spread picks it's only a clip of 51 percent on the season and that's not going to be good enough to keep the lead with the great managers that i have uh, recruited i guess in this against the spread pool again in week seven only pulled in six out of the 15 games correctly against the spread uh, again second week in a row i've only got six correct now uh, you know the other week uh, week six i guess we had two pushes so you know you can't really be faulted for that but again only six out of 15 that's only a clip of 40 percent shout out to our week seven co-winners rel eagles fly second week in a row that tj Harmon, a fellow nfl youtube prognosticator has co-won the ats pool he's on a real hot streak by the way against the spread i uh, shouted him out on the youtube progs facebook page something like 28 and 2 or something like that over the past two weeks that's really excellent against the spread so rel eagles fly and bruin steel a longtime viewer of mine jeff he has also co-won week seven they both went 11 and 4 against the spread last week that's awesome way to go guys 11 out of 15 that's a clip of 73 percent that was good enough to co-win week seven and bruin steel takes over the overall lead as well 58 correct against the spread picks out of the 107 games played thus far this season 54 percent clip 
he's doing very well. So shout out to Rel Eagles Fly and Bruin Steel for co-winning week seven and to Bruin Steel as well being our overall leader in the against the spread pool. Let's take a quick peek into Fantasy Corner to see how my eight fantasy football teams did last week. Our third straight week going five and three. Again, we'll take five and three among eight teams. We'll take five and three. But it's my third straight week of being exactly five and three with those teams. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I dropped my week seven matchup to Beetle Bailey, and really it was not even close. Uh, as I mentioned to him in a the uh, public chat or the private chat, really, for the leaguers, uh, if I could have forfeited like early on Sunday, I, I would have done so because he really dominated the week this week. So shout out to Keith Bailey. You got me good last week. Thank you for the matchup. I now dropped a three and four in that league. Week eight, I have a matchup against Billy B and it's a projected win, but really that's because the, a large number of his skill players and his like high-end skill players are on a bye this week. So I'm catching him at arguably his most vulnerable this season. So that's very lucky for me. So it's a projected win right now, but you know what? Anything can happen. So shout out to Billy B. Good luck this week to you, sir. Shout out to Keith Bailey for really kicking my ass last week. That's how things have shaken down in the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League. And I'll take this opportunity, as always, to remind you that if you are watching the video on YouTube or listening to the episode on YouTube, if you go down to the description of the video, you're going to find all of my results from week seven. You're going to find all of my picks straight up against the spread and over under for week eight in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest straight up and against the spread pick em pools. Definitely not too late. Get yourself shouted out for winning a week. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. You're also going to find links to other high-quality NFL YouTube Prognosticators who get out there and do this every week. If you are listening on SoundCloud or on iTunes, search NFL YouTube Prognosticators on Facebook. Guys, look, I'm a little biased, but I think it's one of the best resources out there for talking football all damn week long. You're talking with people who do these picks quote-unquote professionally or YouTube-fessionally. I'm going to coin that phrase. That's a good one right there. But we talk football all damn week. It's an excellent community. It's a lot of fun. Join the page. Get in on it. Week 8, I believe, will be pivotal in my success or lack thereof this season. It's the week where there's only 13 games. If you can have a good week this week, it really sets you apart. Let's see if we can do that. Here come the picks. Let's get started with some Thursday night football action down in Tennessee as the Titans are going to play host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. AFC South division matchup, division matchups, you always love seeing them, especially in primetime and under the bright lights. Tennessee and Jacksonville. Tennessee's winless inside the division so far this year. They've dropped both of their division games, while one of Jacksonville's two wins on the season has come within this division. Now, this is arguably still the most competitive division in football right now. The Texans lead this thing, but they're only at four and three, and especially last night, they did not look good. So this division is still wide open. It is anybody's ball game. Even Jacksonville, who currently sits, you know, two games behind, they're not out of this thing yet. Both of these teams are coming into this one having lost their game last week. They're both two and three in their last five games. 
these are some fairly competitively, you know, fairly comparable teams. Aside from the fact that the Titans are playing at home, though, I think the big edge here for Tennessee is going to be that run game. And before we get into the run game, let's just talk about Marcus Mariota for a second. Sure, he's the starting quarterback on a team that's below 500 right now. They're not the best offense in this division. They're kind of middle of the pack in the AFC. But Marcus Mariota is on an 8-1 to touchdown to interception streak right now. Heading into last week, he had back-to-back games where he threw for three touchdown passes. The Titans couldn't hold on against the Colts last week, but this is a team that, again, in those last three games, as I mentioned, 30 points, 28 points, and 26 points, that's definitely good enough to win more often than not. In a matchup of two pretty comparable statistical defenses, I think you got to give it to the offense that's got more upside. Right now, that's definitely the Tennessee Titans based off of that run game. They're still one of the elite run attacks in football. Just because they couldn't hold it together against Indy last week, it doesn't really mean that much. And again, I think that run game is really what it's going to come down to. It is not easy to pass the football on this Jags secondary. They believe they are a top 10 statistical secondary. Just taking a look, they are. Right now they sit at number 6 in the NFL, only giving up just over 215 yards per game through the air. I think Tennessee needs to stick to what got them their success this season. That is the run game. Jacksonville is giving up about a buck 10 on the ground per game. They can definitely get it done here, can Tennessee, especially where the game's at home. I like the Titans. I'm going to take Tennessee to beat Jacksonville. On the line here, Tennessee favored by three and a half points at home. That's not too many as far as I'm concerned. It's well under a touchdown, just barely over a field goal. So I like Tennessee minus three and a half facing Jacksonville at home. The total in this game is 44 points. I'm actually going to tell you to go over on it. I think Tennessee is going to be able to put up their points. Jacksonville, I think, can put up their points, and I think they'll probably get a decent amount in this game. If Jacksonville gets anywhere close to 20, I think this game goes over pretty comfortably. So I'll tell you to go over 44 points. we got Tennessee to beat Jacksonville. Tennessee minus 3.5 over 44. Another game in London this week sees the Washington Redskins and the Cincinnati Bengals travel across the pond to take each other on. Two teams that went in different directions in Week 7. Cincinnati finally got the run game going, and who'd have thunk it? It only took playing the Browns. Meanwhile, the Redskins waited until I finally picked them to win a game to poop the bed. Look, we just talked about a game where I took the team that has the higher offensive upside. In this game, I would argue the Redskins have the higher offensive upside between these two teams, certainly based on their statistical performances, but that's not the way I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to tell you to go with Cincinnati. Look, the simple fact is neither one of these teams can stop the run. Washington's giving up about a buck 20. Cincinnati's giving up a buck 18. So neither one of these defenses can stop the run. But if the Bengals have finally figured out how to run the football and how to move the football with those two above average two great running backs that they've got on their team, that makes them extremely dangerous against a team that can't stop the run. Most of the Redskins' offense is predicated on what they can do through the air. Washington averaging 277, actually just under 278 pass yards per game, which has them inside the top five in terms of their pass offense. 
The run game is no slouch, averaging a buck 13 on the ground, but most of their damage is done through the air. I think Cincinnati can win this game based on time of possession, running the football, pounding that fairly porous Washington run defense, and I think they win the game based on that. Cincinnati beats Washington as the quote-unquote home team across the pond in London. Cincinnati favored by three points in this game. Again, it's not too many for me. It's a field goal. I'm going to tell you to take Cincinnati minus three. Total in this game is 47 points. I think it stays under because once again, I think Cincinnati turns this game into a time of possession, grind it out battle. And if they do that, I think this game stays under. So, Cincinnati beats Washington in London, Cincinnati minus three on the line, under 47 points. Let's return stateside for the Cleveland Browns, the still winless Cleveland Browns, at home taking on the New York Jets. This is a game that I am affectionately nicknaming the Dumpster Fire Bowl. Because there is no dumpster fire in general in the NFL greater than the Cleveland Browns, but the New York Jets quarterback situation is giving them a run for their money. So you make a big deal of re-signing Ryan Fitzpatrick in the offseason, and most people thought it was the right thing to do. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out and has a terrible statistical start to the season, just throwing bucketfuls of interceptions. I think I picked off Ryan Fitzpatrick two or three times. So Fitzpatrick gets benched, Geno Smith comes in, and proceeds to tear his ACL, and he's out for the season. So now it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's team again, and if there was ever the definition of an unmotivated player, it looks like it's Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. You might as well put his picture in the dictionary beside the word unmotivated. I mean, just listen to him in the press conferences. He's talking about, well, you know, I think I should start every week, and, you know, when you lose the coach's trust and the owner's trust and blah, blah, blah. Throwing barbs at the front office of the team that just re-signed him in the offseason. And look, he has reason to because I don't think he's wrong. I think the Jets' front office and the coaching staff did lose faith in him. That happens when you throw 18 interceptions or 800 or whatever the hell it was that he threw. And then you have the coach turn around and say, hey, if it stops the turnovers, I hope he plays pissed off. Like, this is just, this is just the worst kind of internet comment board of a team and situation that you can possibly have in the NFL. And ladies and gentlemen, for that reason and that reason only, I think the Cleveland Browns are going to win this football game. That's right, folks. My upset of the week, I guess, if you want to call it that, Cleveland is going to get off the schneid and win their first game of the season this week. It's a good situation for them. They're at home. Offensively, they're the better offensive team between these two teams statistically. It's not by a lot, mind you, but they're scoring touchdowns at a better clip. They're scoring more points overall. Yeah, the defense is arguably the worst defense statistically in football right now. Let's see if I can back that up. Uh, Oh, well, no, there's the 49ers. Well, they're close. But, I mean, the Browns have only had two cracks at it at home this year. They've played better competition than the Jets are. And, look, this Jets defense, sure, they're good at stopping the run. But this is not the same Jets defense. This is a Jets defense that, statistically, is worse than the Dolphins. And, yeah, they can stop the run, and that's great. Cleveland doesn't really focus on running the ball with their running backs, at least not in a traditional sense, as much as other teams do. Isaiah Crowell, sure, he's a running back. He doesn't really catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. That I can understand. But a guy like Duke Johnson, 
is like that that Shane Vereen kind of versatile player who is way more dangerous as a receiver than he is as a running back. And even if Cleveland has the popcorn vendor playing quarterback for them, which is a distinct possibility in this game, I think they can honestly beat up the Jets with those check down passes, get Duke Johnson involved early and often. They've got really good wide receivers, get the ball in their hands, slant routes, short routes, crossing patterns, Like, they can win this football game, and I think they will. Call it a gut feeling if you have to, and I would probably do that safely myself. I think the Cleveland Browns get off the schneid. Cleveland upsets the Jets to get their first win of the season. The Browns are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home in this game. I'm going to tell you to take that. Even if the Jets win, I think this is going to be down to a field goal kind of game if if that does happen. So they may only win by a point or two. I like the Browns here, plus two and a half for sure on the line. There is no total for this game yet, and I think they were kind of waiting for the quarterback situation to suss out before they put a total out. But as of recording time, there's still no total in this game. What I'm going to tell you is this. I expect the total, when it opens, to be somewhere around 45 to 46 because these two defenses suck donkey. So, if it is anywhere in that range, go under. Go under on anything 45 and above. Even 44 or even 43 and above. Take the under on it because I think this is going to be a low-scoring game with two teams that have quarterback play that has been, what's the word, atrocious. So go under on that. If it's like 40, 41, 42, you may want to consider taking the over because I think it's probably going to fall somewhere in that range. But especially if it's 45 or above, definitely grab the under. So... Cleveland with the upset, they beat the Jets this week. Cleveland plus two and a half at home on the line and under anything around 44 to 45 points. Let's keep it going. We got Kansas City and Indianapolis. This game is in Indianapolis. Kansas City, the poor Kansas City Chiefs, who at four and two would be leading two of the divisions in the AFC and would also be leading the NFC South. But unfortunately, at four and two, they're third place in a very strong AFC West. Chiefs have a losing record on the road. Colts have a winning record at home. Hmm. Chiefs have won two straight. Colts won last week. Hmm. Both teams 3-2 and two in their last five games. Huh. Colts have allowed 200 points in seven games. Ah, there it is. That was me looking for my statistical justification for why I think Kansas City is going to win this game. And I found it. I think the Chiefs have finally figured out that Spencer Ware is the future. And I understand that it, you know, they wanted to get Jamal Charles back in there to really kind of figure that out. I think they figured that out at this point. Even with Jamal Charles back, Spencer Ware is the number one back in that backfield, and he's earned it. And this season for the Chiefs is just Kansas City doing Kansas City things. They're doing things very quietly. They're not really anything special in terms of run offense pass offense run defense pass defense they're middle of the road in everything yet they're finding ways to win football games and that's what really matters the colts on the other hand have a bottom 10 secondary and they're giving up about a buck 19 per game on the ground this defense has problems and against a team like kansas city that will literally just just middle you and whittle you down with those two now really good running backs and Alex Smith 
again, maintaining the game. It's what he's done his entire career. Don't hate the player, hate the game. He's good at what he does. Now, the Colts last week, good for them. They came back on Tennessee. They found a way to win that game. That loss at Houston, that's the one that really bothers me. And then having only beaten Chicago by six points the week before that, this is a Colts team where they've they've got problems. They mostly come on the defensive side of the football, and I think that's what's ultimately going to end up being the difference in this game. I like Kansas City on the road to beat Indianapolis. On the line, Kansas City favored by two and a half points on the road. I'm going to tell you to take that Kansas City minus two and a half. The over-under in this game, the total is 50 points. I'm actually going to tell you to go over on it because, I mean, look, Indianapolis can score their points. Let's not... Let's not characterize it like they can't. The run game seems to be coming along a little bit. Frank Gore, some people have called him ageless. I don't think I want to say that, but I mean, Gore just keeps going, man. I think Kansas City is going to put up more points, ergo, I think this is going to go maybe just barely over 50, but I like it to go over 50. So, Kansas City beats Indianapolis in Indianapolis. Kansas City minus two and a half on the line, over 50 points. Now we come to a pair of games that I'm really hedging my bets on. And as such, we're going to do, for the first time ever, I'm actually going to treat these games together and talk about them both kind of at the same time. The games we're talking about is Seattle at New Orleans and Arizona at Carolina. And I'm really hedging my bets on these two games because honestly, I really think these are games that could go either way. Maybe I'm overreacting a little bit to the Seattle-Arizona tie, but honestly, like both of these teams offensively looked like they really had problems last week. And for Seattle, it's been a problem for more than just last week. Obviously, Russell Wilson is limited. He's not running the ball like he used to. He's not 100%. New Orleans is a team that can put up points in huge bunches and they've been doing it again this season with Drew Brees, who I actually believe is ageless. So that's a game that New Orleans could very easily win. I don't think they will. I think Seattle wins that game based on the defense because let's face it, the defense did look pretty darn good against Arizona last week. And in the Arizona-Carolina game, I mean, look, Carolina has been the disappointment of the NFL this year. Arizona has looked kind of disappointing in certain games, especially on the road. Look, Arizona is a team that's barely giving up 16 points per game on average this season. On the road, they've given up something in the line of like 26 or 27 points per game. Do you know how bad that is for a defense that is pretty good? And do you know how good that means their defense has been at home? It's ridiculous. It's like Jekyll and Hyde, this defense, when it hits the road versus when it's at home. And Carolina, there's no team in the NFL that needs to win a game more than Carolina. This is a fan base that went to the Super Bowl last year, and now their team has come out and crapped out a 1-5 start to the season. They're coming off their bye. Carolina's the team that needs to win this game. I think they will because they're at home and that offense has done some incredible things this year. Now that uh, Jonathan Stewart is back, he looked really good last week or in their last game. So I think Carolina wins this game because I can't trust Arizona's defense on the road, but Arizona could just as easily win this. Like it's, it's these two games are incredible to me. 
I like Seattle in New Orleans to beat the Saints based on the back of their defense. I like Carolina at home to beat Arizona based on the backs of their offense. On the line against the spread, I'm hedging my bets on both of these games. I'm taking New Orleans plus three and Arizona plus two and a half. And the reason I'm doing it is I'm trying to get a piece. I'm just trying to get a piece of these games. I feel like the straight up plays are the right plays. No, but I really, I I have to claim it. I don't know. I can see Seattle and New Orleans being close where a play of New Orleans plus three is probably the smart thing to do. I can see this game coming down to a field goal one way or the other. Hauschka with that ridiculous, awful miss in overtime where he just like shanked it like me on the fourth tee playing golf. Like it was ridiculous how bad that field goal attempt was in overtime against Arizona. I like Seattle to win the game, but I have to take New Orleans plus three because of what that offense is capable of doing. If there's any team in football where you want to play them to get your offense straightened out moving forward, it's going to be the Saints. So I like Seattle's chance to put up points. Arizona plus two and a half, they could very easily win the game. So that's why I'm hedging my bets on that one. I like Carolina to win because they are the most desperate team in football right now, but I got to take Arizona plus two and a half on the line. The total for both of these games is 48, which has made it a little easier to kind of take them together. I think both of these games, though, stay under. There's good defenses involved in this game. Carolina can play good defense. They just haven't done it really at all this year, but they can play good defense. And Arizona, if there's one problem in Arizona... It's the pass game. The secondary is what's really vulnerable for Carolina. So I think they have a chance to play some good football this week. Both of these games, I think, stay under 48 points. I like Seattle to beat New Orleans. I like Carolina to beat Arizona. But I like New Orleans plus three and Arizona plus two and a half. Both of these games stay under 48 points. Let's go to Houston now where the Texans on a quote-unquote short week will be taking on the Detroit Lions in the friendly confines. Now, Houston's undefeated at home this year. They're 4-0. They've looked way better at home than they have on the road. But I think they lose their first home game of the season this, this week. I like Detroit to win this game. Brock Osweiler looks lost half the time when he's out there. He looks like he has... Not no idea what's going on, but almost like he thought he was showing up to play lacrosse. And it's got to be so frustrating for Texans fans because there's some plays and some passes where Brock Osweiler looks like a young Drew Brees, but way taller. Like he, he fires some of those passes out there and he's got a ton behind them. Like he looks like he's got a really good arm. And then other passes, he can't even hold on to the football. So it's got to be incredibly frustrating for that Texans fan base put on top of that the possibility that Lamar Miller may be limited in this game he was out for a couple of series in the game last night then he came back in and he looked fine but if there's anything that would happen to linger from that if he would be limited in any way at all that spells huge trouble for the Texans on the offensive side of the football Detroit is good not great Uh, They really have trouble running the football. Now, Houston is, that's where they're the most sort of susceptible is stopping the run. Their run defense is much weaker than their pass defense. 
And by much weaker, I mean the fourth worst run defense in football. So if the Lions can establish the run, that's really going to help them out this week. But at this point, I just can't trust that Texans offense. I just can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. So I'm not going to do it. I like Detroit on the road to upset the Houston Texans. On the line, Houston are three-point favorites at home. Obviously, I'm going to tell you to go with the dog in this matchup. I like Detroit to win, so I really like Detroit plus three. Total in this game is 45.5 points. I think it stays under because I do think Detroit is going to try and establish the run knowing the vulnerability of the Texans' defense when it comes to stopping the run. This is one of those areas where they really miss J.J. Watt. So, under 45.5 points, especially because, again, you can't trust the Texans' offense. I like Detroit to upset Houston. I like Detroit plus 3 on the line and under 45.5 points. The Green Bay Packers hit the road this week, traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Green Bay got back to the winning ways last week, as we talked about earlier, that 26-10 win over Chicago, while Atlanta has now dropped two straight after starting the season 4-1. Packers have the distinct defensive advantage in this game, although the numbers are a little uh, misleading when it comes to Atlanta. I think Atlanta's got a better defense than 199 points against in seven games would have you believe. I do think that defense is better than the results that they have had. But at the same time, Green Bay's defense has been playing quite well this year. So distinct defensive advantage there goes to Green Bay. Obviously, the distinct offensive advantage goes to Atlanta. They've done some incredible things so far this season. But honestly, Last week was a problem for me. I don't know how you allow the San Diego Chargers to cross the country, play you in your stadium, and lose the game the way Atlanta lost that game. Now, sure, I get it. You just came off of back-to-back roadies. I understand. But that's a game you should win in your sleep, and you basically looked like you were going to. But the offense completely disappeared in the second half, and that's what scares me. Because if that happens against Green Bay, you're going to have a lot of trouble. On the Packers' side of the ball, I really think the Packers have something here in Ty Montgomery. Look, he didn't blow the roof off the place or anything like that, but I mean, last week, 19 total touches, 126 yards. They've got something there with this kid. Now, I expect Niall Davis is going to be a little more involved with the offense this week as they they traded for him for a reason, obviously. Now, he came into last week's game not knowing the playbook at all, and it showed two carries for one yard. I think if they're smart, they stick with Ty Montgomery at tailback. They just keep utilizing him the way that they've been doing. This kid's got a ton of touches in the last couple of weeks, and it's working out. And quite frankly, I think it works out again this week. I like Green Bay in the upset. After the last two weeks, and especially last week, I need to see Atlanta right the ship before I can start picking with them again. Because as Falcons fans know, Hatbox, this is a familiar script. The Falcons get out to an unbelievably hot start, and then they just totally fall apart. Now I hope, I hope that doesn't happen this time. The Falcons fan base, I think, deserves better than that. So hopefully it doesn't happen. But it kind of looks like it's starting to. 
Plus, hey, Aaron Rodgers figured it out last week. Sure, it was against Chicago, but he threw three touchdown passes last week. Looks like he's starting to get it figured out a little bit more, and that's bad news for the rest of the NFL. I like Green Bay in this one. Green Bay upsets Atlanta at home. Atlanta favored by two and a half points on the line at home. Obviously, I like Green Bay to win. I'm going to tell you to take Green Bay plus two and a half on the line. Total in this game, 52 and a half. I actually think it goes over because if Aaron Rodgers has figured it out, he's going to score points. Uh, the Falcons, they just score points in general. So 52 and a half, it's a big number. It's the biggest number that we're going to look at this week, but I like it to go over. So Green Bay beats Atlanta, Green Bay plus two and a half on the line, over 52 points. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks is an all-NFC East matchup. Basically the battle for the division lead here, the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles going to war in Dallas. Both of the Eagles' losses this year have come on the road, and one of the two of them have come in the division. The Eagles have yet to win in the division because they've only played one division game, but they did get on the winning side of things, of course, beating Minnesota last week. The Cowboys, meanwhile, have won five consecutive games after opening the season with a loss and have announced that they are sticking with Dak Prescott, the rookie combination of Prescott, as well as Ezekiel Elliott, in week eight. Man, that Philly-Minnesota game was a, such a turnover fest last week, wasn't it? That was almost that was almost painful to watch. And I don't know if it was the result of two really good defenses playing each other or just really sloppy offensive football. I'll put it to you this way. If the Philadelphia Eagles come anywhere close to the number of turnovers that they had in that game, they're going to have a long day. Look, this is 100% just the situation of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it's working, keep doing it until it stops working. I like Dallas in this game. Look, Philly's secondary is dynamite. They have a really good secondary. I think Dak Prescott is going to struggle this week. If Philadelphia has one area of weakness, though, on the defensive side, it's stopping the run. Now, they are the best team in football on the, the run defense side of things to still be giving up over 100 yards per game on the ground. So that's worth pointing out. And they're kind of middle of the pack in the NFL in that sense. But they're still giving up over 100 yards on the ground. And the Cowboys, like, do we need to say anything else about the Cowboys running game? Like, really? Do we need to say anything else about them? I'll say this. They're averaging 161 yards a game on the ground. It's going to be a fun day for Philly's front seven, isn't it? Maybe if the game was in Philadelphia, I'd go a different way on this, but it's not. It's in Dallas. I like Dallas to win this game. Cowboys beat the Eagles in a division matchup. Dallas favored by four and a half points here at home. This one I'm really, really kind of struggling with. Despite being four and two and having scored 156 points in those six games, Philadelphia is really struggling here to move the ball in general. They are the number 28 overall offense in football this year. Now look, they're translating that into a ridiculously high number of points, 26 points per game, but they're really struggling to move the ball. So Dallas gets a stop here and a stop there. This game may not be close. My gut here is telling me to go home team. That's the way I'm going to go with it as well. I like Dallas minus four and a half. It might seem like a high total, but if Dallas is going to win this game, they're probably going to win it 
you know, fairly strongly, it may be a smart idea to hedge your bets here and go Philly plus four and a half because of that defense. But I think I'm going to go with Dallas' side of it. So Dallas wins straight up. Dallas minus four and a half on the line. Total in this game is 43 and a half points. I think it's going to go over Philadelphia. They should be able to score their points. As I mentioned, they're translating struggles in yardage to a ridiculously high number of points. So I think this game goes over the 43 and a half points despite two fairly good defenses. Dallas wins straight up. Dallas minus four and a half over 43 and a half points. All right, guys, let's do it to it. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week eight in the NFL. Let's get going. We're going to start with the bronze pick. I've struggled with the bronze pick this year. Three and four straight up, two, four, and one against the spread, and only four and three over under. So I have definitely struggled with this bronze pick. Let's get it righted this week. My bronze pick sees the Oakland Raiders travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And I know what you're going to say. Half Moon already pointed it out in the comments from last week's video. I told you to take San Francisco to beat Tampa Bay because I didn't trust Tampa Bay's defense. What did Tampa Bay do? I think they doubled them up or something, 34 to 17. I get it, all right? I still don't trust Tampa Bay's defense. Now look, it's not like Tampa Bay is just this absolute like baby lotion defense. Look, Tampa Bay, they're not giving up a ton of yardage on the ground. Or, or even through the, just in general. Actually, they're the number 13 defense in football in terms of yards allowed. And that's nothing to sneeze at. It's the top half of the league. But that is definitely not the complete story of this Tampa Bay defense because they might be the least opportunistic defense in football aside from Jacksonville. As a matter of fact, they're very comparable with Jacksonville because despite the fact that Tampa Bay is only giving up 351 yards per game, they're allowing 26 and a half points. They're giving up, the, here, I'll, I'll characterize it to you like this. If they're number 13 in the league, that means there are 19 teams below them in terms of giving up more yards per game, including like New England and Dallas and Buffalo and like good defenses, Kansas City. Of the 19 teams, 13 of those 19 teams are allowing fewer points per game. So sure, Tampa Bay might be stopping the teams in terms of allowing yardage, but they are not keeping points off the board. How do you win football games? You put more points on the board than the other guy. And who do they play this week? Well, they play a top 10 overall offense in Oakland that's scoring 26 points per game. To me, this is simple math, and I have no idea why Oakland are the underdogs in this game, other than the fact, I guess, that Tampa Bay is at home. I guess that's why they're the underdog. I don't understand it. To me, Oakland is going to run away with this football game. Latavius Murray is finally getting himself healthy and back on track. He found the end zone last week. I think he finds the end zone again this week. That's Derek Carr. He's still back there. Those good receivers that Oakland has. Michael, They turned a superstar out of Michael Crabtree this season. I think Oakland wins this game in a walk away. I love Oakland to beat Tampa Bay. Oakland, as I mentioned, they're the underdog in this game, I guess because they're the road team. Right now it's a plus one. I guarantee you that'll be a pick em by game time. Oakland may even be a half point or a point favorite by the time game time actually rolls around. So jump on Oakland plus one right now. Do it. Thank me later. Total in this game is 49 points. Go over on it. Oakland's going to score. And look, Oakland's defense is not good either. 
Tampa Bay is going to get their points because Jameis Winston's playing really well. He found Mike Evans for, I believe, two touchdowns last week. He'll probably find Mike Evans for a touchdown again this week. This is going to be a high-scoring game. It's a shootout. Go over 49 points. But I like Oakland to beat Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. I like Oakland plus one on the line, over 49 points. That's your bronze pick. The silver pick where I am 6-1 straight up, 6-1 against the spread, and 4-3 and over under sees the Minnesota Vikings travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. Minnesota dropping their first game of the season last week in Philadelphia, as we already mentioned. So they're on a one-game losing streak. They're only 2-1 and one on the road. All you know, They're undefeated at home, but they're not at home this week. But it's against Chicago. Sure, Chicago's only win this year came at home. But they're on a three-game losing streak. They're 1-4 and four in their last five games. And let's face it, it's the Chicago Bears. Now, Jay Cutler looks like he's going to be back in this football game. But listen very carefully to the language that's being used around Jay Cutler. Not the fans swearing at him for sucking, but the language being used around him being available for this game. He is, and I quote, cleared to play. Cleared to play definitely does not equal 100%. Doesn't even equal healthy. Only equals cleared to play. And quite frankly... I think the offense might be better without him. But one way or the other, it's the Chicago Bears playing the Minnesota Vikings defense. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Minnesota all day. I think this could probably be the blowout of the week. So, even though they're on the road in Chicago, I love Minnesota. Even though it's back-to-back roadies. And I know Gio is going to tell me, probably scream at me in the comments, not to take a team so highly when they're on back-to-back road games. And I totally get that. I understand it. But it's Chicago. So, Minnesota beats the Bears. On the line, Minnesota 5.5 point favorite on the road. Take You know what? Take it. Because what's Chicago going to score? Chicago might score 10 points in this game. If they do, Minnesota only needs two touchdowns and a field goal. So I think that's okay. I think they'll be able to get that. Minnesota minus five and a half. Total in this game is 41. It's the lowest total we're going to look at this week. I still think it stays under because I just don't think Chicago is going to score any real point total at all. So 41 points. I'm going to tell you to stay under on it. Minnesota minus five and a half. Minnesota wins the game straight up, obviously, under 41 points. That is the silver pick. My gold pick, my only pick where I am still undefeated straight up, a perfect 7-0 straight up, 4-3 against the spread, and 4-3 over under, sees the New England Patriots travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills. And really, the main story of this game is... Bill Belichick is still pissed off, he has to be, that they got shut out when they played Buffalo earlier this season, of course the last game before Tom Brady came back. All Tom Brady's done since he's come back is throw 10 touchdown passes, I think, and 1,000 yards, or 9, or 8, or something like that. He's throwing touchdowns, is my point, and he's thrown for over 1,000 yards, and he looks as motivated as he has ever looked. He is the best quarterback in football. The Bills, on the other hand, may be without LaShawn McCoy because we saw what happened when they were said, no, he's or he's healthy. Oh, he got hurt. He's not going to play. Well, he's got the questionable tag. He might play. Looks like he's going to play and start, but he's going to be limited. He went out there and he re-aggravated his injury. If the Bills are smart, LaShawn McCoy sits this week. He is the cog he is the key to that offense you might as well just kind of swallow this one because new england is going to destroy you 
I haven't actually done the research on this, but when's the last time that Bill Belichick lost two consecutive games to the same team? New England, I think they walk away with this one. New England beats Buffalo. I'm not going to say it's going to be the biggest blowout of the week because you know what? That Buffalo defense, they're good. They can do things especially that linebacker core. It's very good. New England's going to have trouble running the ball. I don't think they're going to have a ton of trouble throwing it. So I like New England in this one. New England favored by six and a half points on the road. You know what? It's under a touchdown. Take it. New England minus six and a half. I love it. Total in this game, 47 and a half points. I think you should stay under on that one because especially if LaShawn McCoy doesn't play, which again, I repeat, he shouldn't. Buffalo's going to have problems. Tyrod Taylor, I did not think looked great last week. And I mean, they're really feeling missing Robert Woods, missing Sammy Watkins, their main kind of weapons in the receiving game. Tyrod Taylor can't do the whole thing by himself. So if LaShawn McCoy doesn't play, Buffalo's in for a long ass game. So I'm going to tell you to stay under 47 and a half points on this one. New England beats Buffalo straight up. New England minus six and a half, under 47 and a half points. That is the gold pick. And the platinum pick where I am 6-1 and one straight up, but the betting picks are not doing great. 2-4-1 and one against the spread and 3-4 and four over under. Sees the San Diego Chargers travel to Denver to take on the Broncos in a division matchup. Chargers have now won two straight games. Does it mean they've righted the ship? I don't know. Again, they gave up the 30 points to Atlanta last week, which, I mean, that's nothing to shake your head about. I mean, everybody gives up 30 points to Atlanta the way their offense is playing this season. So have they turned it around? I don't know. I mean, that offense is really good. They've got Melvin Gordon just just cooking. I mean, Melvin Gordon is looking like an all-purpose like MVP candidate at this point. So they've really got Melvin Gordon going. And despite all the injuries, I mean, they're in there, man. The defense playing a little bit better. Yeah, but then you got to go to Denver. And look, man, the Broncos have lost at home. They've lost at home. It can happen. And there are times that Trevor Simeon does not look great. And there are times... When that run game can kind of struggle a little bit. Are any of those things going to happen this week? I mean, they could. Obviously, they could. I'm not going to bet on it. I'm going to take the smart bet and say that Denver is going to beat San Diego in Denver because Denver is a much better football team. And you know what? They displayed it in virtually all aspects of the game last night on Monday Night Football. They took the Texans apart. They took them apart in the secondary. They took them apart stopping the run for the most part. I mean, look, is Lamar Miller they were playing. Uh, Lamar Miller's going to get his yards. So, I mean, they, they looked good. Not fantastic stopping the run. And look, that's their real problem. Denver's only problem on defense is that run defense. That run defense is really slipping. But I don't think it has slipped to the point, and I don't think Melvin Gordon has ascended to the point where that is enough to sway the game enough that San Diego wins in Denver. Winning in Denver is an incredibly difficult thing to do for a football team. You have to be an extremely good road team to go into Denver and beat Denver on their home turf. That's just the fact of the matter. I mean, it's like trying to go into Baltimore in those great years for the Ravens and trying to beat Baltimore in Baltimore. So few teams could do it. And that was Baltimore's strategy. 
go perfect at home and four and four on the road. And before you know it, you're 12 and four and you're in the playoffs and you're probably winning the division. So it's the Baltimore blueprint that now Denver is taking. And it's even a little more difficult, obviously because of the altitude. San Diego is not that great road team right now. They're one and three on the road this season. So they have one on the road, but they're far from a great road team. I don't think they get it done this week. I like Denver at home to beat San Diego. On the line, Denver's a six-point favorite at home. I'm kind of worried about that because I know that their offense can struggle. Will it struggle this week? I mean, probably not. But I'm telling you, man, Melvin Gordon, they got something special in that Melvin Gordon kid. They've got two now really good tight ends in San Diego, Hunter Henry and, of course, Antonio Gates, the stalwart at the tight end position now that, like, Heath Miller is retired and Tony Gonzalez. So they've got weapons on that San Diego offense. They've got two now wide receivers who have kind of emerged being very strong, good plays, good fantasy plays. And Phillip Rivers is still back there and he's still slinging the ball. So I actually kind of like San Diego plus six. I think six points might be too many. I think this is going to be a relatively close game. Might be decided by a field goal, but I think it's going to be less than a touchdown. So I'll take San Diego plus six. It may be a bad play, but I kind of like it. So Denver beats San Diego straight up, but I like San Diego plus six. Total in this game is 44 and a half points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. San Diego's defense, they've had trouble keeping the ball out of the end zone. So I think Denver's going to be able to put up points through the air and on the ground. San Diego's probably going to get their points. So 44 and a half. I think it's going to go over on that. So Denver beats San Diego. San Diego plus six over 44 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. Hey, look, I did that Justin thing where even though there's only 13 games to talk about, I talked a bit longer than I expected I was going to. Who'd have thunk it? No comments from SoundCloud. So we're back to YouTube, of course, for the comment of the week from the week seven video. And look, I have to give credit to the two people who told me, tried to, they're trying to help me, like like an old drug addict, they were trying to help me. They were trying to tell me that San Francisco over Tampa Bay was a bad pick. And I, I just, I couldn't listen. I didn't listen. So I have to give credit to both of those people whose entire comment was based off of really only that game. And those two people, so the co-comments of the week, I guess, going to Logan Schiff and Half Moon's picks, two fellow NFL YouTube prognosticators. We'll start with Logan, who said, San Fran is not winning, I must disagree. Good luck with your picks and love the video as always. I responded to that with, I think most people would have said the same thing about the LA game in week one, which San Francisco won. Maybe they lose, sure, but maybe they win. That's the fun. Good luck, Logan. Well, it wasn't fun getting the pick wrong. We'll go to Half Moon's Picks, who began his comment with, Take a knee, man. San Francisco stinks. But um bum Half Moon's Picks, one of the funniest dudes out there. Tampa Bay's a better road team. Good luck this week. I responded with, they both stink, but somebody's probably got to win. At Half Moon's Picks, he put a little bit of extra English on the end of this, because he waited until, right now, what would be 17 hours ago. So he waited until you know, kind of midway through Monday and he came back to the video and said, don't say I never told you. Gloating with a winky face. God damn it, Steven. And I just responded with, hey, not my first missed upset, won't be my last. So you know what? Gotta eat crow on that one. Logan 
and Half Moon's picks as well as some others. We're absolutely right about me getting that upset pick wrong. So shout out to Logan. Shout out to Half Moon's picks. You guys are going to share the comment of the week from the week seven video. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the week eight episode of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. We're going to get you out of here on my CFL picks for week 19 in the CFL season. We are very quickly approaching the CFL playoffs. Best time of year to be a CFL fan. I only went two and two again last week. I can't seem to get over the two and two hump here with these four games. 15 and 17 straight up picking the CFL We're hoping to get this thing corrected prior to the playoffs. This week, week 19, I like Hamilton at home to beat Edmonton. I like Ottawa on the road to beat Winnipeg. I like BC on the road to beat Saskatchewan. And in the upset of the week, I like Montreal at home to beat Calgary, who now really have nothing to play for. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Week 8 is in the books. I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you again for week 9.